It's time for JT the Brick. I can't tell you how emotionally upset I get when I talk to him knowing that that man should be in Canton, Ohio, and for whatever reason, the Hall of Fame can't get that right. The countdown to Canton is on. We were the best team. We deserve to be world champions. I'm proud of you. Tom Flores. I have tears in my eyes right now just thinking about it. Charles Woodson. You know, I, I went out there and I played my played my heart out each and every Sunday. As these Raiders are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we honor them on Raider Nation Radio. Just win, baby. <laughs> the countdown to Canton is on. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Oh, great to be here in studio. Raced over from Raiders training camp, and I'm in here. To wrap up the week with Bobby Machado, our executive producer, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. and on the Raiders mobile app where you can listen to the show anywhere in the world. It's the greatest app I've seen. You go to the Raiders mobile app, you just click on the radio icon, and you get the show in real time as we're good right out of the gate today. Hope everyone's doing well. We thank PTs. They fuel the monologue. You know that you can always go into a PTs. You're going to be greeted well. Great food options, gaming options, and the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Wherever you make a left, right, get on and get off a freeway, you see a PTs for a reason. 64-plus right here in the Valley as they get me going every day, fueling the monologue. Good day again, out at practice. It's part two of a show we did yesterday, which was really good for us here. Got a lot of reaction, a lot of streams, a lot of people pumped up. Which Raider player are you putting on notice? We spoke to a handful of callers yesterday. If you got something else you want to bring up from what I saw at practice today, I'd love to tell you my opinion. But we got a lot of listeners here in the Raider Nation everywhere. And we're talking about what I think is the biggest topic in all of Raider Nation right now, other than COVID and how to keep the players active for the season. It's really the position battles, which I don't think there are many position battles because as I've told you I think the roster is pretty much set there's only a couple of position battles for starters starters and which player are you putting on notice that you think is in the in the realms of losing their job to someone else and it's tough to do that at the defensive tackle position where I spent a lot of time today looking at the defensive line because we know the guys on the edge and who they're going to be Clee Farrell Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. We know those three guys are going to play two positions or maybe three out of four if Cleve Farrell goes inside and he turns out he shines there. And he shines playing more at defensive tackle than edge. But Clee looked pretty fast to me today. Him going at it with Colton Miller, man, I could have sold tickets in the parking lot for that. Colton Miller today going up at left tackle with Yannick Ngakwe and going up against what I thought was Cleve Farrell looking like Some UFC fighter who just looks ripped. I mean, his calves, his biceps, and Colt Miller's just like hands, 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 push him aside. Whoa. I like, did you see Colt Miller? Colt Miller is just insane. The guy is so fundamentally sound that they throw these bull rushers at him and he just puts his hands on him and just guides him away. And these guys are cutting inside and doing that. One thing I saw today as I was sitting with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN under the tent standing watching, we were watching the defensive line, and Max Crosby went up against Alex Leatherwood. Okay? Alex Leatherwood. 
And I don't think Max beat him per se, but Max was coming like he was unleashed in a Marvel movie. Like they dropped him out of a plane and he was just taking off and Leatherwood was engaging him. And then after the play, Max just talked to Leatherwood for 30 seconds. It was incredible. And Paul goes, you see that? I go, yeah, I'm watching it now. Max is just looking at Leatherwood and they're talking about what he just did and how he can defend it better. And Leatherwood's listening and Cable's right there. I mean, Max Crosby, man, this guy's got the soul of a 10-year veteran. This guy is just its such a great teammate. He's incredible. He is a great teammate. So a lot of offensive line, defensive line drills today that I saw. Carr threw a ball at the end of practice to Edwards, and he went up and got it. That was like one of the last plays that the media was out there. He went up and grabbed the ball and came down. <laughs> he was like, I want to see more of that. It was incredible to see. And then my big takeaway, as I tweeted it out today, was the size and the change in the body of Ruggs and Arnett. They got the message. The message was, you guys get the hell out of here. You better come back ready. And they both came back bigger and stronger than last year, and I think they both needed to. You know, Arnett was really not filled out last year because he was sick, had COVID, and he had an injury. So he couldn't get in the weight room. Mike Mayock told us that. He couldn't get in the weight room and lift his first year because he had a hand injury, thumb injury. Now it looks like he's been lifting like a madman. But Ruggs looks completely different. Ruggs looks like, if if you believe in the Raiders' vision of Ruggs, the Raiders' vision of Ruggs was blank. What'd they want? They wanted Tyreek Hill. That's why they picked him. I knew the pick, but only right before the pick. They kept that silent. It was CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs. And they took rugs because they wanted a compliment to what Kansas City has with Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill's turned out to be a great player. Almost Hall of Fame skills, even though he was a really bad guy in his real life. And he seems to have cleaned it up. But for Ruggs, I thought he was coming in to be Tyreek Hill. He's really coming in to be Cliff Branch. And Cliff struggled in his first year in the league. And no one looked at Cliff Branch and said, oh, my God, Cliff came in a track star from Colorado, a track star, opposite of Bolitnikoff and those great players, and Cliff had the drops. Jerry Rice came into the league, talks about it all the time, came into the league, had the drops. No one thought Jerry Rice was Jerry Rice his rookie year. Now, I'm not comparing rugs to Cliff and Jerry Rice, but in theory, it's his second year, and year one, year one, Cliff Branch and Jerry Rice didn't have to deal with COVID-19. They didn't. They didn't have to deal with anything like this, and Ruggs dealt with it. So Ruggs went back to Alabama, bulked up, and is the second fastest receiver arguably in the league, and a lot's going to be counted on for him. So those two guys, to me, noticeably, because we all have less access than we've had in the past the last year, year and a half because of COVID, where if the practice ended today, where Vic Tafer is, and I saw Paul Gutierrez and Ed Graney, everybody would just be walking into the locker room. You'd give the guys about 10 minutes, and they'd say, come on into the locker room, guys. And they'd come into the locker room, and we'd be right there, and we'd be able to go right up to the locker room and talk to these guys. That's not happening anytime soon. So all you get to see is the guys from a distance on the field, and when they walk by you as they're getting water, and you really see this with Damon Arnett. So, again, if you didn't join the show yesterday, if you didn't call in, we're going to kind of keep that rhythm and talk about camp uh, camp competition. But which player are you putting on notice and which player really do you think this is it for them? This is the last stop. Now, they might stay in the league, but they're not going to be with the Raiders. 
This is their last chance to get it done, and they got to do it now. And you're going to be encouraging. You're going to be really encouraging. You think the player's going to have a bounce-back year. I was talking to one of the insiders about that. Instead of saying someone had a bad year, you're going to hear people in the media saying this is going to be a bounce-back year. Well, what is a bounce-back year? In theory, what is it? In the NBA, they have, a, they have a trophy that I hate. It's called Comeback Player of the Year. And I'm like, why do they give that award out? Someone sucked last year, stole money from the owner, and then he showed up and played to his ability, and you give him a trophy? Well, what about the year before we didn't play well? Well, in the NFL, it's a bounce-back year. And I have about six or seven players right here on my Raider roster in front of me that need to have a bounce-back year, and that includes Ruggs and Arnett, and it includes Corey Littleton. Right there, those three are at the top of any list you have inside the Raider Nation. It might not be in that order, but definitely your bounce-back players coming in would have to be John Abram. John Abram, but he's got excuses. He's been injured and all those, but not really. He played enough last year. Henry Ruggs III, Corey Littleton, Cleland Farrell. I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect him and say he needs to bounce back. He just has to get better. He doesn't have to bounce back. He played fine last year. He's just got to play a little bit better. But if you look at Arnett, Arnett is another guy. He doesn't have to bounce back because he gave us nothing on tape last year to say that he has to bounce back from. We want to see a completely new Arnett, a completely new Littleton, a compl- you know, Kwiatkowski. I don't know what you think. You all think of Kwiatkowski. But I watched all the games, and I thought he was okay. And then Morrow, which I'm going to get to here in the monologue, Morrow's the biggest surprise I've seen in a while with the Raiders. Everybody's talking about him inside and outside the building. Something's going on with him that we're all not privy to. Something's going on. Gruden's all in on him. The team's all in on him. Everybody's looking at him going, something happened with him. He could be the defensive captain of this team. He did something where he came into the league and said, I'm looking at the league, I'm an average player, I'm just another guy, and now he's a guy that the Raiders are really counting on to be very, very good. So those are some of my takeaways from camp here the first couple of days, and to watch Gruden's energy and to see Carr. Oh, Josh Jacobs today. So Josh Jacobs walked by, got some water, and then he ran some drills, and I was talking to Zach Crockett former Raider player Zach Crockett running back about Josh and what he's doing this year. And we went, we started talking about Drake. And he reminded me, he goes, JT, do you remember when we played John Ritchie, Zach Crockett, Charlie Garner, Randy Jordan? He started naming all these players. And I said, well, what are you, what are you getting at, Zach? And he said, we were all big. We were all big and we all played special teams. He goes, I played on special teams. We all did. And I'm like, yeah, you guys did, right? He goes, yeah, we did. He goes, after us, remember Marcel Reese, how he became a player and how great he was on special teams? He goes, in training camp, we knew, even though we were going to make the team, that we were playing special teams. And when those guys got in the game on special teams or their number was called on at running back, they were able to get going. Now, Josh Jacobs will not play special teams. But Kenyon drank on punt returns or kickoffs and what he could do. Jalen Richard. I think there's going to be there's going to have to be a cut down at the running back position because how many are they going to hold on to, and how many versatile running backs can they have? 
You don't need six versatile running backs. You need Josh Jacobs to go to the Pro Bowl. And you need him to have 16 touchdowns on the ground and combined in the air. And then Drake to play well. This team is going to be better at depth than they were last year because they got a better roster. But the point becomes to me is who's going to become a better starter? Everybody follow me on this because I know this because I've been talking to the big ups at the Raiders on this topic. Here's the little secret I'll let you in on. It's not about depth. It's not about who's playing here. It's about who's playing better. Mayock, Gruden, Gus Bradley are evaluating players for this season that need to get better, noticeably better. So that's what this camp is about to me. Who's playing? Who's lined up? Oh, wow. Look, Edwards is in the slot. Waller's on the outside. That's cool. That's cool if you see that and you happen to be at training camp and you catch a play like that. But what's more important is who needs to get better quickly. The best example I could give you that I've seen in the last three years in a long time is Colt Miller. He came in. He was brand new. No one knew what they were going to get out of him. Played really well. Decent. Got beat a number of times. Second year came back. Played really well. And now this year he looks like a pro bowler. Well, why isn't Cleveland Farrell following that? Why isn't he coming in as a rookie, playing okay, second year really playing well, and then third year he's going to be a pro bowler? I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he. Maybe something clicks with him. So follow me on this process because you know I got this information from the right people. And the process is if you're a player on this team and a starter, you're being evaluated to be a much better player. There's only a few guys on this team that I don't think are being looked at that way. Derek Carr is already elite or very good. It'd be nice if he took it to another level, which I think he will. Josh Jacobs, take him off the board. He's young. He's very good. He's proven himself. Take Waller out of there. Waller's going to get better, but Waller, you know, you don't have to say Waller's got to get a lot better. He will, but he's not on it. Everybody else is in that category. You better get your ass in the weight room. You better eat right. You better stay healthy. You better not get COVID, and you better be available, and you better not be in the tub like you were last year or not available because you hung out with someone who took off their watch and you were part of COVID protocol. This thing is tight over there right now. It is tight. Gruden is gung-ho, but he always is. He's always he, he always is, but he is locked in, and Gus Bradley brings something that Gunther couldn't bring. And Gunther's a good football coach. He's been around a long time. Gunther couldn't bring the energy that Gus Bradley is bringing in. And how long is that energy good for? I don't know. Gus Bradley's energy is going to last only so long in regards to his first-time voice with this roster and then buying in on everything he's doing. And I think they're buying in right now. Ngakwe's sick. He's unbelievable. He looks, I mean, he's a different-looking player than Khalil Mack, but he has the burst and the speed that I saw today that just shows you that the quarterback, the opposing quarterback's clock is going to go off damn quick with Mad Max improved and the other guy in Gawkway coming off the edge. Whoever that quarterback is, their clock's going to be just a little bit quicker this year because those guys are no joke. And then coming up the middle, the defensive line push with Solomon Thomas, Kendall Vickers, Darius Phylon, Quentin Jefferson. I mean, they're throwing a lot of guys. And then Malcolm Kuntz. Malcolm Kuntz, who they're going to find time for. This kid's going to come in. It's going to be third and 11, and all of a sudden you're going to see someone come off the field and Kuntz is going to come in. And you can say, who is that? Where are they lining him up? 
So all of that today was a great day. Today was a great day out there. There's nothing. You didn't miss anything. It wasn't crazy. No one got hurt as far as I know when I left. Cross your fingers. Cross your fingers. But the drills, the drills with the defensive line and the offensive line really are great. Nothing compared to what it's going to be like when they have their practice with the Rams. When they have their practice with the Rams and Aaron Donald, that's going to be a big deal. Then you'll see what this team does. And you'll have an understanding of all that. Show started 14 minutes ago, everybody. I'm ready to go to work. Let's get the phones going. 702-365-9200. The position battle or the player you're putting on notice. We did it yesterday. The calls were great. Maybe there's a few more stragglers out there in the Raider Nation who want to get going and talk about this. I wanted to recap the week of sound that we have here on Raider Nation Radio because it's really good. John Gruden, like all coaches are going to be asked the first week about vaccinations because a lot of the media is there seeing players with masks on and some players who don't. You know, I've never really given statistics on COVID vaccinations, but I would say that we have every man vaccinated on the staff. I could also say that I believe we have every man vaccinated on the team with the exception of about four or five guys. So we're proud of that. We're excited about that. We're also respectful of everybody's personal opinion. So we have to weigh that as well. But um, when it comes to vaccinations, we think most of our, our people have been just that vaccinated. Yeah, and I think that John Gruden's saying he's telling you the truth because he knows he has to. He always does. John Gruden's always telling you the truth. And that's what he's saying. I think we're pretty good as a team. I think we're okay. And that's all we really need to hear. One other thing on the vaccination uh, sound we have, we're going to play something from Cole Beasley later. And we live in Vegas. I think Vegas is different than Buffalo. It's different than Green Bay. Okay, people come here, airplane after airplane after airplane, lunatics. Lunatics come here, non-vaccinated, to get in swimming pools and pour vodka over their head. That doesn't happen in Green Bay and Buffalo. It doesn't happen in Jacksonville that way. It happens here. So I saw this coming a mile away. Mile away, I saw the mask mandate coming, saw all this. If you can't see it, I don't know what the hell you're reading or watching. It's the easiest thing you could ever see coming. So if you're a non-vaccinated player on the Raiders, and there aren't many, okay, better not have your ass in Dre's nightclub. You better not have your your butt in a pool party if you're unvaccinated because you are going to get it. No doubt you're going to get it. Now, if you got the vaccine, you could still get it, but you'll be safe and the vaccine will help you. But if you don't have it, as we're lessening the rules and you could have more of a social life. Like last year, people would call me, shh, JT, I saw a guy getting chicken wings at this restaurant. I saw a guy sneak in and get chicken wings. Get that out of here. I don't, I'm not going to gossip about who came in and got wings and wasn't supposed to be there. This year, a little bit different. We're not even at Labor Day yet. What do you think Vegas is going to look like at Labor Day, right? So the players on this team really have to consciously be more aware of a vaccination than in some other spots, especially if they want to live their life here. So I wanted to get that off my chest. Secondly, Gruden on Nicholas Morrow, where he's clearly telling you that this is guy. Gruden is clearly telling you that this guy is the real deal. He might be one of my favorite players. This is his time. You know, if you know anything about Morrow, uh, you have to tell me where he went to college and where exactly that is. He comes from a very obscure background. Uh, if you watched him play college football, he was returning kickoffs. Uh, he was playing all over the place. He comes to the Raiders. He makes it as a rookie. He finds a way to get on the field. And now he's got a chance, I think, to be a captain for us. 
I think he's got a chance to be a different difference maker for us in the middle of our defense. But um, time will tell. We've got a long way to go, but uh, I really like him. He's had a great spring, and um, I think he's on the rise. I think his time is right now. On the rise, difference maker on defense. So it's very important that he stays healthy and he's ready to go at the start of the season. They don't have a player. They don't have a player, and they maybe should. There should be another Nicholas Morrow out there who's good and maybe could be really good, but he's got to be He's got to be available. That guy's an important part of what Gus Bradley and Gruden are doing, so I'm excited about him, and I got him wrong. I admitted this. I admitted this. I didn't think much of him as a player when he was here. I just thought he was another guy, and I admit that I'm wrong five times a day before breakfast. I'm wrong all the time. He's a player, but he's got to prove it now because we thought Littleton was a player, right? Correct? We all thought Littleton, we all bought that hype, that he was a great player, and last year he was just a guy. So if we can get Morrow to be better than expected and Littleton to live up to the hype, then you got two out of three linebackers that you know can go sideline to sideline and tackle people. One more from Gruden on the interior defensive line and Yannick Ngakwe too. This is big because you're looking at Phylon, Yannick Ngakwe, Dre, you know, all these guys that have come in, the new guys, Gruden's putting the spotlight on them. Well, it's it's been fun to watch. No disrespect to Paul, um, but we have a completely group, of, uh, different group of players too. Uh, but Gus is uh, um, he's a high energy coach. Uh, he's upbeat, positive. He's philosophical. He's fun to be around. He makes you laugh, but he also pushes you. And I think what's going to make this defense go is, is is how we rush the passer, how it goes up front. And Yannick is a difference maker. I mean, I feel him uh, every time I see him on the grass. And Max is on the rise. I think another young player. Um, really impressed with Kuntz. Uh, Malcolm Kuntz has made an impression. And um, if we can improve up front, uh, I think uh, this defense will be much improved. So a lot of time talking about the defense. So I got a lot of sound. Yesterday I didn't get a chance to play the rug sound. We didn't get a chance to play a couple of things yesterday. We were buried and booked. Now we're a little bit more wide open today. So I want to hear from you on this. I think this is a really good start of camp. But Vic Tafer said the same thing to me as we were standing there. We, we basically both said we're always optimistic this time of year. Who wouldn't be? Who doesn't think that the Raiders are better than they were the year before? Even when they went 12-4, and four, they brought in a couple added players. They look better. When they're 8-8, eight and eight, they look better. So they look better than 8-8. Eight and eight. But there are some guys on the radio saying they're a seven-win team. There are people out there saying, quote, quote, they're a last-place team in the division. There are members of the media who think Denver's better on defense, a lot better, and they can figure out how to be better this year. And, again, this crap with the Chargers again. I've lived this thing with the Chargers. You've seen the videos of me on the sideline of Jack Murphy Stadium. This garbage with the Chargers every year. One of these years the Chargers are going to get it right. One of these years, Derwin James isn't going to get hurt. Bosa isn't going to get hurt. And then Justin Herbert's going to play well, as he played really well last year. And when that all happens, okay, the Chargers will win 10 games or maybe 11. But how dare the people think it's this year? And they could be right and save the tape. Maybe I'm not. But I've been through this garbage every year where the Chargers, the Chargers are coming. We know that Kansas City isn't better than two years ago. Fact, not fiction. We know that because of what they lost, the attrition of their Super Bowl roster. But they're really good. They're very good. They're better than the Raiders. Chargers haven't been better than the Raiders. 
And I would go roster position by roster position and go toe-to-toe with you on that. And then Denver, they got to be better then. But then it comes, will the Raiders be better than Pittsburgh? Will they be better than Cleveland? You know, you start going around the rest of the AFC and you go, they better be. You know, are they going to be better than Dallas, Washington, the Giants, and Philly? They better be better than three out of four of those teams. You can pick the order because there's not a lot of wins on the schedule that you go, oh, that's a win. That's the Jets. That's the Jets that might not win a game. Oh, that's Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got Joe Burrow, 100%. He's, a, he's damn good. So the Raiders don't have any many gimmies. You know what the big gimme was last year? Atlanta, how'd that work out? They're not a lot of gimmies. They're going to have to play, and they're going to have to play really great out of the gate. Craig in Rochester, start us off. How are you, Craig? Good, JT. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Calling out of Rochester, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is actually the hometown of former Raiders president, Mark Dane. Yes. Um, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a huge part of our booster club out here, so just wanted to shout that out. Um, so two people I think that should be on notice um, that I haven't really heard yet, um, considering the fact that we're probably going to be playing a 4-2-5 defense, I would say one of those guys should be Nevin Lawson, mm-hmm. or as uh, Raider Nation Rochester likes to call him, Toast Lawson, because of how much he seems to get burnt in that slot position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he should be on notice because, uh, you know, we already have that first spot locked down, the second one, um, in the air, but whoever doesn't get that second spot is going to be coming for that third spot. Um, Nevin Lawson has a lot to prove. He has a good history. You know, he's played well in the past. Let me but, tell you uh, who it is. Let me stop you. It's Nate Hobbs. Uh, and ask yeah. and ask Vinny Bonsignor who comes on at 4 o'clock about Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs looks like the player that's going to be competing really quickly to get on the field, and that's the player that they really liked that I'm hearing about at camp there. I agree. We've seen enough of Lawson. We've seen a, a, enough of a few guys that are coming back here, Nixon and Lawson, that they're on the roster for whatever reason. They're on the roster depth and insurance if someone gets hurt, but they shouldn't be on the field much because of the performances they've had. I've, I hear more about how good they can be than what we see on tape. I agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, and then the second one I quickly wanted to throw out there, this might be an unpopular opinion, but um, mm-hmm. I think Nick Kwiatkowski, um, yeah. he played well last year. Um, but like I said, with that 4-2 defense, we need two linebackers side to sideline to sideline. Nicholas Morrow might be the captain of our defense this year. Corey Littleton, mm-hmm. I expect to step up and do well. Um, but aside from that, Javin White's going to be coming for that position. He he's, you know, he's a tall guy, long guy, good leverage, good speed. Um, so I think that uh, Nick, you know, he's an old school middle linebacker. Um, love the guy from what I saw last year, but I think uh, he's really going to have to have command of that defense or, you know, he mm-hmm. could be playing for another team. Well, you know, I went to Geneseo 20 minutes from Rochester. That's where I went to college, and I'm always yes, up. Sir. I'll be back there for my a college reunion next year. So love Rochester. Love the Rochester Booster Club. I need a new shirt, XL. Getting down to large now again. Uh, get me a shirt. Get it to me. I got to represent Rochester in the city. Absolutely. I'll get one sent your way, JT. Thank you. Appreciate it. Quick update. I I collect Booster Club shirts, and my wife says, where are you putting those? My wife always wants everything in the garage, and she deserves that. She put the house together. We work very hard. But I like to keep my Raider Booster Club T-shirts in my bedroom in a certain spot, and the pile gets big. So I'm looking for Booster Club T-shirts that I could wear. And get photos with. I love it. So if you got a, a booster club for the Raider Nation, 
Find a way, DM me, but be nice because I don't want to get in your DMs. I only get in the DMs of people who attack me, and, I, and I've, I've changed too, Bobby. I've changed on my DM philosophy going forward. Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility in Area 15. Eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses while enjoying drinks, food, and fun. League play starts Monday, August 16th. There's leagues for everyone, new players, avid golfers, and everyone in between. So sign up as an individual or as a team. Sign up now at 5irongolf.com slash leagues. That's 5irongolf.com slash leagues. Tell them JT sent you. will get $100 off. They're trying to do business with us. You go in Area 15 and you see this place, you're going to call me and thank me. It's that good. 5 Iron Golf. Uh, Nick in Long Island, my Long Island buddy. How are you? JT, what's up, man? Long time no speak. Thank Pumped you. up. Football season, we're here. We made it. Time to uh, get into this now. You know, optimistic coming into this year. Um, one thing, I know you're asking for a player who wants to step up. You covered most of them yesterday. So I'm going to go a little bit off the grid, not trying to be negative. Um, the personnel department, whoever's in charge of player acquisition and drafting, however, because some of these guys, they haven't worked out, and now it's time for them to step up. But now... If Gus Bradley's going to come in, we've got a great reputation. Even Paul Gunther, he had a great reputation for coming here. Corey Littleton was a freaking star before coming here. If all these players can't figure it out, because I'm sick and tired, we're a mediocre team. Not a 2-14 and 14 or a 3-13 team like the media, these clowns in the media portray us to be. We're right at the doorstep. The defense has been holding us back. But I can't go into another year where next year at this time, we're in training camp and, oh, the defense, and this has mm-hmm. to happen, that has to happen. A little bit better. This guy has to get better. No. Start getting better players. Get guys in here that are going to do their job. Because if this happens again this year, where we're giving up 30 points a game, we got a major problem. And it means maybe Gruden just has to be the coach of this team or Mayock has to go. I don't want to call for anyone's job before the season starts. I don't want to get carried away. But maybe the way they start evaluating players needs to change because it's been going on for over a decade. It's even before Gruden got here with this defense. I can't take it anymore, JT. I just want to win some games. 30 points a game, hold the team to 20 to 23. Let's go 12 and 5. Let's go win some playoff games. I've had it. It's time to shut all these clowns up. It's a great phone call. That's what we do from noon to 2. Yesterday, I had beers with Raider Mike, maybe the greatest Raider call of all time. He was in town to go on a tour. And uh, we had a couple beers, and we were talking, and he said the same thing, just in a lighter tone as we were at the bar. And he just wants to win. Look, I believe in the Gruden philosophy of taking the team, tearing it down, and building it in his likeness. I'll never quiver on that. It hasn't worked out yet to the way that Gruden wants it. His plan is a solid plan. He wanted to bring in specific players to play his style of play. He's got that with Jacobs and Waller and Carr and Renfro and hopefully in rugs. He has that going in the direction that he wants. Problem is, in football, you got to win games. So you can have the players and the philosophy that you want, but it's got to result in wins. And some of these wins or losses are gut punches. Gut punches. So every Raider fan that's sharp and is not vindictive will say, yeah, you know, Gruden, Gruden's got a team that's a little bit better than 500, but he's got a plan for it to be a perennial playoff team to try to compete against Kansas City. And then those same fans will say, but it's not happening. So when's it going to happen? So the plan is in place. That the players they're drafting have to be better. They have to be as advertised. We get that. They're taking the players they want. Now the players have to play better. And I think that'll happen. And I think from what I have saw the first two days, 
A lot of people believe in what I'm saying. Don't just listen to me. Listen to everybody else. Read what Peter King has to write. He was just at practice for two days. See if everybody else is there. But don't watch the idiots on TV who don't even know the roster. And they just go back to their common thread. The Raiders are going to suck. The Raiders are a team. Gruden's more high. You know, those people, they don't have knowledge of the roster, so they just go back to their lazy take that it's typical Raiders or this or that. And if they're right, hey, they're going to they're gonna tell you that they're right, and they're going to gloat. And we're right back to me taking your calls, you being pissed off. I don't want to take off. I don't want to take bad calls this year. I want win after win after win and big moments. And these games are going to be tight. They're going to come down to the fourth quarter. I don't see the Raiders blowing many people out, and I don't see the Raiders getting humiliated. So who's up in the fourth quarter? Who's going to make plays? Modelo today. Well, I got to do a radio show tonight, but tomorrow, bucket of Modelos, morning, take about five or six, put them on ice. Have them ready. Then at the end of the day, I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's. Love them. Modelo has a big announcement coming up. Huge. And if you like artwork and you like the look of the Raiders and you know about the Raider history, and that's about as much as I could give you, but you are going to see some of the craziest billboards you've seen in your life associated with Modelo. Excited about that. Hey, next week at this time, I'm getting on a plane to go to Canton for Tom Flores in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's keep the Flores calls coming. Anything on Tom Flores helps because he's listening. In Palm Desert, he's got it on his Alexa. He listens to this show. Fact, not fiction. 702-365-9200. Good to be out in Henderson. I wish I was in Napa. For a day or two, all my memories keep coming up in Napa and how great that was. But it's a new dawn, a new era, and the Raiders are now practicing in Henderson. And they're enjoying it because they have the best facility in football. Thanks to Mark Davis, the city of Henderson, and the great fans of the Raider Nation. He beat Joe Gibbs of the Washington Redskins. Joe Gibbs is not a, is in the Hall of Fame. Tom Flores is not. He beat the Marv Levy's. He beat the Don Shulers in big games. And they're in the Hall of Fame. The countdown to Canton continues. Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you. Good to have you on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, as we count down to Canton with Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. So earlier today, Spent some time with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, and we talked about Cliff Branch not being in the Hall of Fame. This is a pretty good topic to bring up out of nowhere because I know it gets a lot of Raider fans going. So we were talking about this makeup class and this blue ribbon panel that they put together last year to really clean up the mistakes that the Hall of Fame made in the past. And they put some people in that deserve to be in, but they left out Cliff Branch. And we were talking about how close Cliff branch came the year before that and how close it was where there was a tie with Jerry Kramer and Jerry Kramer ended up and deservingly so the legendary backer got in and that's how close Cliff was because once you get on that senior list and you pass you're going to get voted in and Cliff was tied and right there so Cliff now has to go back in line and wait but the problem is Drew Pearson of the Cowboys caused a fit when he didn't get in and I met Drew a few times, and he's a gentleman. But he didn't get in and get in, and Drew threw a fit on camera. And then he got in the next year. Well, 
Cliff passed away. Cliff couldn't do this, obviously. And I look at this and I say to myself, and Paul and I were discussing now how Cliff's going to have to wait for the next cycle. And Paul and I were agreeing that there's Raider fatigue in regards to how many Raiders got into the Hall of Fame from the 70s compared to the Steelers. And they're now talking about the Orange Crush defense of Denver and Miami Dolphins teams of the 70s. Who cares? What does that have to do with Cliff Branch? Cliff Branch has better stats than Lynn Swan and Drew Pearson, and they're in. Cliff played into the mid-'80s. So he played in the 70s and the 80s, and Cliff won three Super Bowls, and his biggest games happened in the playoffs. So I'm going back to Canton, Ohio, without the legacy of Cliff Branch in the Hall of Fame. I can tell you how much this disappoints Mark Davis. And it disappointed Mr. Davis, Al Davis, when he was alive. And now we're going back to Canton with Tom Flores. Cliff passed away, which at camp, you know, when, when camp started, Cliff would be right on the side of Mark Davis with his Raider hat on with the flat brim, his three rings on, three Super Bowl rings. Think of that, because Cliff would go in the lobby and everybody would want to take pictures with Cliff and his rings, and he would do that. And then Cliff would go out to dinner with the owner, and then Cliff would come back the next day and talk to everybody, and Cliff passed away unexpectedly. But we're going back to Canton without Cliff's bust in the Hall of Fame. And it would have been great with my wife and I to walk through the Great Hall and to see Cliff Branch say a prayer at that bust because he's already in. He's not in. So, again, there's only a few people that continue to talk about this. It's really important that after Coach Flores gets in with Charles, we really get back to Cliff and focus on him along with Jim Plunkett and the Hall of Fame so they could take their rightful place. And when I hear Raider fatigue, give me a break. I mean, these were the greatest players playing in the greatest games. And there's only a few left that deserve consideration. There's a few. But the ones who really deserve it are Cliff, Plunkett, and obviously Lester Hayes, the judge. And then you could go down Phil Villapiano, who we respect, and there's a lot of other great players. But those are the ones that need to get in. So don't forget Cliff Branch, please. Don't forget Cliff Branch. 702-365-9200. So yesterday, I believe Aaron Rodgers had the greatest press conference in NFL history by a player. Of all time. It goes to number one, Mount Rushmore. No player in the history of this league ever had the balls to say what this guy said on a microphone at the podium while his bosses who write his checks were 100 feet away, 100 yards away. Aaron Rodgers went scorched earth on the Green Bay Packers. And why I appreciated this so much is normally you don't hear this. And there aren't many players who have the guts to do this because they don't want to get cut or they don't want to go in bad graces with their team. Aaron Rodgers would care less. He had to bite his tongue the entire offseason on why he was threatening to hold out. So yesterday he met the media, and this happened during our show so we didn't have the sound. And he talked about the fact that Green Bay really didn't have a commitment with him. As I felt like if you can't commit to me past 2021 and I'm not a part of recruiting process and for agency, if I'm not a part of the future, then instead of letting me be a lame duck quarterback, if you want to make a change and move forward, then go ahead and do it. That obviously didn't happen. So he was calling out the Green Bay Packer organization who was in the next room in their offices, and he was just going – Adam, and the fact that at the end, when there was an impasse, he thought that 
Green Bay was just trying to throw money at him to get him to come back. It wasn't a draft day thing. There were conversations for uh, a number of months leading up to that. Post the draft, I think what basically happened was then they said, uh, we'll give you some money now. Let's see if we can throw some money at you. I said from the start it wasn't about the money. Um, obviously, I didn't show up for the off-season program or minicamp. To me, it was bigger than this. It was about trying to be a resource for the organization that I care about and love so much. Wow. He says, let's see if we can throw money at him as the money guys are in the building. Before I play this unbelievable world-class sound, close your eyes unless you're driving. Imagine Derek Carr saying this at the Raider facility. Just for a minute, imagine Derek Carr, who would never do this, saying this. After he agreed to a restructure of his contract, and then they walk him to the podium, and this is Derek Carr. It would never happen. Aaron Rodgers is a different dude. And everybody was talking about why all this news broke on draft day out of nowhere. This wasn't, uh, you know, a draft day thing. Uh, this was uh, started with a conversation in February. And I just expressed, you know, my desire to be more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. So he wanted to be involved more, and that's a big thing that I've seen lately in sports, that the super, super, super elite want more power. They want their contract. They want to make max dollars, and then they want to have an equal say with the owner or the GM. No, 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 they're not the owner, and they're not the GM, but they believe that they should get involved in all decisions going forward. So how close did Rodgers get to considering retirement? Yeah, that's definitely something I thought about. You know, I talked about how important being a full-timer was for a long time. This was the first time to, to spend the offseason away without a COVID year or a lockout year. Um, and I enjoyed it. You know, I really did. I, I took time working on myself and trying to, to better myself in a number of areas where I feel like I could improve based on my own patterns and conditioning. And it was a lot of, a lot of growth in that process. I continued to find joy and happiness and things off the field. Uh, however, there's still a big competitive hole in my body that I need to fill. And as I got back into my workouts, um, I just realized that I know I can still play and I want to still play. And as long as I feel like I can give 100% to the team, then I should still play. All right. So when it comes to what happened with this guy, again, the big takeaway is this is a big sports picture. This is a macro story that there are, there's literally no one who can do this. I, I think LeBron could pull this off. Brady doesn't need to. He's won seven Super Bowls. Well, why would Brady do this? He's won seven. Aaron Rodgers has won one. And he, he feels like he has to do this. What other athletes in sports can pull this off? I mean, maybe Ronaldo in soccer. I, I was thinking of the list. Is there a baseball player who could pull this off? Like restructure a contract, be able to get out of the contract after one more year, agree to that with his owner and his GM, and then go to a microphone and go scorched earth like this? Who? What baseball player? I don't know. Not Mike Trout. Who? I don't think there is one. Aaron Rodgers is very unique that he could pull this off. He talked about not being a recruiting tool. The fact that, hey, man, you got Aaron Rodgers. You got me. I got these big agents working for me. Let me help you get better players. The organization looks at me and my job is just to play. In my opinion, based on what I've accomplished in this league, uh, the way I care about my teammates, the way I show up in the locker room, the way I lead, the way I conduct myself in the community, you should tie myself to a little bit more input. But at least to be in a conversation makes you feel like you're important, you're respected. He needs to feel wanted, respected, and important. Let me repeat, he needs that 
That's what his mind needs. He needs that touch. He needs people telling him that he's important. We've all been through that. I've been through that in my career. Other people have. There are times in your life where you're like, screw it. I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm near the finish line. Other times you're like, I hope the boss is looking at me. Oh, please, please, please tell me I'm doing a good job. That's what makes this guy so unique. He's so good, but he needs everybody to touchy-feel him and tell him how great he is, pay him the most money, and let him be in charge of everything. I mean, this is a weird cat. Aaron Rodgers, finally the vacation destination bite is my favorite. I mean, listen to this. Listen to the balls of this guy standing in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and saying this on Green Bay TV. I think we can all understand, you know, Green Bay isn't uh... You know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team, and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. Wow. Green Bay isn't a vacation destination. You're right. I think Green Bay is a vacation destination for football games. If you've never been to Green Bay, go there on a bucket list. It's one of the greatest trips you'll ever be on. Hey, next hour, we're going to have Johnny Katz, our man around Vegas from the Review Journal, uh, heading into the mask mandate, what shows are open, what casinos are He's really important to the show because he tells everybody who's visiting Vegas what to be in store for. So we're looking forward to that. And then, uh, very quickly, we're also going to talk to one of the best college football insiders, Brett McMurphy from Stadium, who has been the lead guy in breaking the story on everything that's happening and going on with the Big 12 and the SEC, and all of those shenanigans going on, which was a really great topic this week that came out of nowhere. Uh, I got a big weekend with Remy Martin. This Saturday, they team up for excellence with Dre's, the ultimate all-day party. It starts at Dre's Beach Club with Wiz Khalifa performing and bottle specials on Remy Martin VSOP 1738 and XO. Uh, Don't forget their botanist gin and their Mount Gay rum. Uh, The pool doors open at 11 a.m., But at night, when the sun sets on Saturday night, Dre's Nightclub will be hosting the ultimate live performance by 2 Chains with Remy Martin Bottle Service all night long. You can pick up tickets by going to Dre'sGroup.com. You can reserve tables. It's a big deal with 2 Chains. So don't ever tell me to ever get off your lawn because I'm going to 2 Chains with Bottle Service. I think that's pretty cool. Bobby's rolling his eyes. That is Saturday night. And I guess that's going to be a mass night here in town as we talk to Johnny Katz about that. That hour flew by. Uh, We're looking forward to a big one coming up, uh, final hour of the show, final hour of the week. Before we get back to Fridays here right after Canton, you can get into the show 702-365-9200. On the one Raider player you're putting on notice, you, you, the great fans, who's the guy you're putting on notice? We should keep score, Bobby. We've had a couple of good calls on this topic. We should keep score, and we'll have some good sound in the next hour from today and what's gone on since training camp opened up. 